uh, sound good, excellent. So welcome to the last meditation class of the year. No class. <laughs> you can come and meditate, but by yourselves, no class. And so if you want classy meditation, this is the best way to come <laughs> to classy meditation. And today, I'm not sure, but usually when it's the fifth Saturday of the month, we usually have people who come for the, uh, usually come for the introduction to meditation class. Uh, there's no introduction to meditation class, so they come in here instead. The only difference between the introduction to meditation class and this class is we sit for a bit longer here. So, you know, for about 40, 45 minutes. That may seem a lot for you, but when you're sitting in a chair or sitting something somewhere comfortably, during the middle of the meditation, if you get a bit sort of uncomfortable, what I advise you to do is to open your eyes and just relax the body, keep your eyes open for a couple of minutes and then do the second part of the meditation. But if you do open your eyes, please don't turn on your iPhone and check your latest emails or turn on some music or anything like that. Please just pause, relax, and then see what's, uh, how you can just have a little, um, a little break between the meditation and then meditate afterwards, like two sessions, 25 or 20 minutes. And that means that it's not such a burden for you meditating for such a long time. Because I know certainly when I started meditating, I'd only do 20 minutes or 25 minutes at a time. But later on, you build it up, you get peaceful, and you think, well, why sort of come out of meditation? You're enjoying it, so carry on. So anyway, we do apologize that there's no beginner's class to meditation or introduction class to meditation today. But anyway, I hope you get some benefit out of this class. And as we're doing this class, what we really uh, learning to do. For those of you who haven't seen this demonstration, which I do ad nauseum, because I'm always a bit hot, and especially this time of the year, and I was born in UK, I like the cold. That's one of the reasons why. I remember I just came back from Penang, and I was teaching over there, and the place I was staying, the person looking after me would sometimes come into my room and they'd go out again straight afterwards. Say, this is freezing in here. I had the air con on and they couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you know, this is what makes me energized and comfortable. And even now, I see I'm really warm in this room. I don't know about you, but I still see some people wearing jackets and ponchos and all sorts of stuff. And I think, how on earth can you endure that? <laughs> It's okay, you can, just be comfortable. But nevertheless, I think, oh, <laughs> that's a bit much. But especially when I would go and teach meditation retreats in Singapore, the Singaporeans would come to Jarnagrava Meditation Retreat Center here, and they would all have their, their blankets on when we were meditating. And I thought, it's impossible. If I, ha if I could, uh, it wasn't breaking my rules, I'd take my robe off and cool off. <laughs> You can't do that. But never, <laughs> nevertheless, you make sure you're all comfortable. And when you are comfortable, it's a strange thing, this happened so often when I was a young monk in Thailand, when it was really hot and muggy, 
Sometimes if you can get into your meditation reasonably quickly, you get sort of into your breath calmly, then after a while just uh, you couldn't feel the body. So I didn't know whether it was hot or cold. And did that in so many different countries. You can meditate in the hot weather or the cold weather once you can get into a nice quiet meditation state. But anyway, the simile I was going to say, for those who haven't seen it before, how to meditate. Simplest instruction you can possibly give. How do I keep my glass of water perfectly still? Yeah, one way is to drink it, because that's why it's here, it's thirsty. How do I keep it perfectly still? I can't hold it still. It will always move. And even if I'm mindful and concentrated, and if I try, you get tired. So many of you, when you're meditating, this is how many of you meditate, holding it still. You just get tired, you never achieve the goal of stillness. So what you do, let it go. Stop attaching. Now renounce. Put it down. Stop grasping things. All those words that sometimes you hear, now you do it, you put it down, and it's nice and... Actually, it's not still yet. Is it still yet? Oh, come on, get still. When are you going to become still? That's not how to do it. So you let go and give it time to become still. When it becomes still, it becomes still, perfectly still, all by itself. And there's no effort involved. It's perfectly peaceful. Now that is how to meditate. The point is, how do you let things go? How can you put things down without interfering with them? Because sometimes you sit down here, you get yourself nice and comfortable and you close your eyes and think, that's comfortable. Then after a few minutes, you know, this itches. You know, you're very lucky because you haven't got a camera on you when you meditate. You can, scra you can scratch whatever you want. <laughs> when I'm meditating, there's some areas I can't scratch. You know, sometimes you wanna, <laughs> well, I can't do that, it'll go, <laughs> it'll go on the internet. <laughs> Here's Ajahn Brown picking his nose or scratching his ear. So, so, so you try and make yourself as comfortable as possible and you get the worst of the discomforts out of the way. After a while you get to know your body really well and you notice what are discomforts you can tolerate. What discomforts like the feeling in my bottom right now of sitting on a, a cushion, squashing the cushion. It's also squashing some of the muscles in my bottom. Because of that, you can feel the tightness there, the squash. But I know because if I can just make that kind of even, I know that that feeling will disappear after a minute or two. It's not something which is going to get worse. It's not something which is going to make me sick or ill. It's something which is uh, just an even feeling, which will eventually disappear because my brain knows not to pay attention to it. It's not important. So I say, just like the sound of the aircon in the background. Now you can hear it after a few minutes or two. You won't be able to hear it at all. Simply because it's an ambient sound. 
And this is what we do for our meditation. We make our body comfortable enough that after a while it can disappear because any feeling or irritation, any sort of uh, itch or ache can vanish. And then you can sit here on a cushion, on a chair, and you can hardly feel your body at all. It's peaceful, it's calm. You've let it go. You put it down. And so once it's being put down like that, and you're not grasping it, you really can let it be. And letting be is a powerful state of mind which allows the body to relax. I always look at the tightnesses and tensions in my body, whether it's in my shoulders or whether it's in my back or any other place in the body. You can actually feel like that something's being squashed or stretched or uh, somehow or other we're interacting with it in a, uh, <coughs> in a not a very wise way. And so instead of trying to react to it by getting rid of it, by um, wishing it to be calm and peaceful, by telling it to sh you know, be quiet, instead we just are kind to it. Because kindness relaxes things. A lot of times if you ever have a child or a grandchild and you want it to go to sleep, imagine you stand over it in the evening if for some reason or another it's excited, so you stand over it at night time and you say, Go to sleep! Come on! <laughs> Is that a good method for getting someone to go to sleep? If I have some monks and they are, are not meditating and see them thinking all the time, is that a good method to go into their ear hole and shout at them, Stop thinking! We don't use such uh, harsh techniques. We always use soft techniques. You tell, if I want the monks to go to sleep, I play them one of my Dhamma talks. <laughs> oh good, okay, that's a joke. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> oh. Now, if you have a child and you want them to go to sleep, we just talk softly to them. To relax, you have to feel safety. Once you feel safe, like allowed to be here, then you can relax. And when you relax, then your body tends to become at ease. When it becomes at ease, I'm amazed that so many different ways of healing happen. I mentioned this last night uh, at the end of my talk. I do recall uh, going to see an experiment on hypnosis where they convinced this person that the nail, a four-inch nail on the end of a stick, was, had been heated in the fire and was red hot. And they convinced this student of this while he was under hypnosis. And of course, under hypnosis, the person believed that. So when he was touched with that red-hot nail, not only did he shout in pain, I could expect that, but I never expected to see a blister come up on his skin. The attitude of his mind had created a, a burn on his skin. 
And from that day on, I used to contemplate if you, if the mind can create an injury, a wound, why can't the mind heal a wound? Why can't the mind reduce the size of a tumor? And of course it can. When our mind is very peaceful, and very calm and kind, then of course the, the body responds. And it also relaxes so much that some of these diseases or injuries which refuse to heal because of the tightness and the fear which we spread around it. We're trying to protect it from further injury. We're actually protect, protecting it, you know, in brackets, you know, from healing. So after a while, we learn how to relax deeply. Then our minds can have the power to heal our body, to relax the body so much, there's no tightness, no tension anywhere. And that allows the body to really relax, feel good, and have some healing. And that also allows our mind to have the freedom. The body is not important anymore. It's been looked after, it's calm, it's peaceful, it's not hurting. It allows the mind to become prominent. And that's part of the, the, the wonder of meditation to separate this mind from our body. So you just have the mind there and you experience that. And there's these beautiful, joyful lights which come up into the mind. We call them limiters. I know I don't talk enough about those, except on retreats. But sometimes people experience these. And then when they do experience them, they just notice the power and the beauty of meditation and just how helpful it can be for so many things in your life. So when we can put something down like the body, and it becomes so still and peaceful, then we can see what else is there inside of us, this thing which we call the mind, and it enjoy its many benefits. And hopefully I'll talk more about that afterwards. But now it's a good time to start the meditation so if you'd like to just check your, the way you are sitting, your posture, and then make it so it's comfortable. There's a lot of strange talk about what is the best posture in which to meditate. I've been meditating over 50 years now, and I know the best posture is not one you see in the books, or what you've been taught, the best posture is what you feel. Are you comfortable right now? And sometimes the postures change from day to day. What's comfortable today is not the best posture tomorrow. So find out right now how you feel and ask your body if it needs to be adjusted. I'm sitting cross-legged on the cushions. And I just adjust my body mindfully. I'm aware if there's any, pro any problems, any squashing of my feet, any tightness in my knees, 
and I let my attention linger there. This is something I find so important, I never rush it. In order to be clear with the mindfulness on the body, the awareness, what I do is ask myself, toes, are you comfortable? Starting with my toes. And if they're not comfortable, I will move them, adjust them. A lot of time I don't need to move anything, honestly. What I need to do is to know that they're in a reasonable uh, form of comfort and give them my kind of blessing, my kindness. And almost promising that if there's any difficulty down there, I will move you, I will adjust. And I'm aware of my toes. I was amazed at just how your mindfulness, awareness can be so strong, even if there's no problem in the feelings in the toes, I can still be fully observant of them, relax them. And I always experience them going to a deeper state of relaxation than they were in before. It's like I'm putting my toes into some very warm, comfortable water and just soaking them in a warm bath. And they lose all their tightness and tension inside. Everything becomes really loose and at ease and comfortable. And I continue on from my toes to my feet, go to my uppers and my soles of my feet. I'm not making this up, I'm doing it as I, t as I talk to you. And I relax all those parts of my feet. So I get to the heels of my feet. Just checking to make sure they're all okay. I never really have any problems down there. But I check anyway, wishing them to be at ease until I get to my ankles. And it is like I've relaxed everything I can in my feet through, not through like a warm hot bath, but through kindfulness. It's a beautiful combination of awareness and care, kindfulness. And care means if there's something I need to do, I'll do it. It's like a promise to my feet that I will look after them. And that ensures that they can relax. And then once I get this kindfulness strong enough, I move it up my legs, scanning my legs with kindfulness until I can feel even the calves of my legs and feel them a bit tight today. Surprise me. So I'll now just spend a few moments with them to relax them to the max. Not doing anything, but noticing that sometimes I've held these tight 
and it's a holding, doing something with them, cause the tension. So now I loosen everything up until they all become fully, fully at ease. And then you get to your knees. My knees have always been pretty healthy, even though I have fallen off motorbikes and off ladders and over cliffs. But everything has healed up so beautifully. And nevertheless, I can feel any sensations in my knees. And I don't ask what they are, I just feel them. Even without giving those feelings a name. And just observe them, be with them, and calm everything down until they feel that they are at ease. And it feels more comfortable than when I started. And then I go from my knees up my thighs, experiencing sensations of muscles in the thighs. Always going closer and closer to the butt. And when I get to my bottom, this is where, as I said earlier, you can feel the pressure, and the squash of those muscles, because they are supporting the whole weight of my body. All I do is to make sure that that feeling of pressure on my butt is spread evenly. The problem of being a monk is you have robes on and folds of cloth can very easily dig into the flesh. I want to make sure that doesn't happen. You can endure it now, but after a while it becomes a very strong source of distraction. And then once my butt is comfortable, then I like to straighten my back, lifting it up, putting my waist in. The reason I do that is because it feels good and it gets me into a comfortable position which I can maintain for the rest of the meditation. And once that starts to feel good, relaxed, then I can look at my torso. And I scan my awareness, moving it upwards and upwards and upwards. Just making sure that if there's any tightness, tension, ache, pain, anywhere in my torso, I can notice it. Deal with it by simple kindfulness and relax it. I've done that for so many different aches and pains in the body. There are things like indigestion, things like food poisoning, and things like muscle pain, you know, because I've moved too quickly or something's happened and I've strained a muscle. It's wonderful when you can be aware of that and go inside of it and Relax it from inside. 
it may be just belief that you can do these things. But that was where what was taught to me by the simile of the hypnotherapist creating a, a burn on somebody's arm because they thought it was being burnt by a hot four inch nail when it was actually totally at room temperature. I scan this awareness upwards and upwards till it comes to my stomach. And when I can feel the stomach, it's a bit of an ache in there, I don't know why. I'm just aware of it and kind to it. I imagine it's like a little cat and I'm stroking it. So often if you have a little cat on your lap and you start stroking it, the cat falls asleep. That's what happens to my tummy, kind of falls asleep. And the ache or the tightness just disappears. And I keep scanning upwards. As I scan upwards, you get to your lungs. You relax them to the max. Just feeling what relaxation is like. It's not putting any pressure on them to get rid of this feeling or to create another feeling. You're letting things be. That's what kindness is. Opening the door of your heart to this moment as it is. And you go upwards. Sometimes you can feel a heart there. You just relax it. You're not going to create a stronger heartbeat nor a weaker one. Just relax it so it becomes smooth and kind. Until eventually I get to my shoulders. Oh. Kind of strange. Personally, when I get to my shoulders, they're usually aching. Today, they're really relaxed. Nevertheless, I'm aware of them. I make sure I haven't overlooked anything. Loosened any tension, any tension which I can detect in my shoulders, I loosen it. I always regard this technique as like loosening the string of a guitar. If the string is taut, tense, something hits it and it makes a loud sound, bing. When you loosen the tension, something hits it, it makes no noise at all. And it will never break if it's loose. The injuries just can't happen. When everything is loose and free and relaxed. And then allow the mindfulness to go down the arms on both sides going down to the elbows. If I feel anything there, which is a bit abnormal, not usual, I'll pause there and give so much kindness that it totally relaxes. 
and go past my elbows, down the arms and wrists. Everything feels okay. Then to my hands. I kind of noticed today my hands are apart. Don't usually do that. So I just test it out, put them together. Actually, that does feel better being together. I let my hands decide how they want to be, how they're most comfortable. And once I have the hands and the fingers all in a good place and they do feel comfortable, then I kind of realize that my whole body, from the shoulders down, have been cared for, have been relaxed and feel good. Now I go out to my head. This is one of the reasons why this little scanning process, I do the easy part first, the legs, for me anyway, and then go to the organs of the body next, and the last to the head. What I mean by that is, first of all to the neck. I ensure my head is well balanced on top of the neck, not too far forward, not too far back not to the left or the right. It's like a balancing act. Because I know that when it's in a good position, it can be so comfortable. If it's too far forward or too far back, you can get headaches. And then once my head is well balanced on top of the neck, then I turn to the front of my face the muscles around the eyes and the ears, sorry, the eyes and the nose and the mouth. If you want to go around the ears, fine. I'm actually doing that now. I don't know why I said that, must be some reason. I relax all those muscles. First you become aware, mindful. Then the kindness does a job of being that feeling around those muscles to be more and more at ease, more relaxed. Mindfulness gives you the chance to have feedback. It feels better. And once they're all relaxed, the emotions which cause a tightening of the skin around the eyes and the mouth and nose. Those emotions get weakened, get resolved. The face is at ease. And then I know I've Relax the whole body in parts. And now I look at it all together. Just a body. I just check I haven't missed anything. I did adjust one of the toes. Once I have adjusted everything, 
I know this body is as relaxed as it possibly could be. And I wait for a few moments. Because I know it always happens. The joy of relaxation starts to appear. It's a palpable, real experience of the joy, the freedom of relaxation. This is this, the best this body can, can be at. And one of the reasons I do that is through experimentation you realize when you can experience the joy of relaxation, the body gets more relaxed, deeper relaxed than you've ever possibly been before. And just enjoy that for a little while. And then I realized that this body is now being prepared for the path of meditation. Meditation is learning how to be aware of and calm your inner world, the mind. So to be able to be aware of what I'm talking about, you ask yourself, how peaceful am I right now? It's like peace is one of the big goals of meditation. So now you're asking yourself honestly, how peaceful are you? Just to know. The more you are aware of the level of peace in your mind, the more you will become aware of what makes that peace become deeper and what disturbs the peace of the mind. One of the obvious things is any awareness of the past any sort of awareness of the future, plans and hopes, kind of disturb this moment. This moment is all you'll ever have, all you ever need. This moment is where your future is being made. And the more that you can allow the mind to settle on the future, on the past, on the present, settles on the present, the more the peace grows. The past will never be peaceful. The future will never be peaceful. It's just too much work. The present is where you can always find peace in abundance. I'm now aware of what peace means in my mind and how it grows and becomes strong, becomes powerful, deep peace. And also how enjoyable that peace is. And for me, and many others tell me, 
as the peace becomes stronger, you'll find the inner commentary, the thoughts, the addiction to taking notes becomes lesser and lesser and lesser. You come closer and closer to silence, the inner silence, just being here, aware, kind, not giving anything a name, not trying to relate things or philosophize or make decisions. We just know, knowing in silence. And in that silence, it's common. I don't know how you can avoid it. You start becoming aware of your breathing. It's one of the last things moving. You can feel the breath come in, feel it go out. You don't have to worry where you know this or how you know this. Keep it simple, just you know you're breathing. And you can breathe without forcing or controlling the breath. It's like you're watching somebody else's breath. It's not your business to do anything with it, except just to know it. You don't give the breath names, you don't judge it, you just know it. Because there's very, very little for you to do, you'll find you'll start to experience peace inside the mind. Don't plan, don't remember, just be. And when it starts to become joyful, you can notice a special type of pleasure of calm breathing meditation. Just let it be. It's to be expected. It's what happens.
what are you aware of right now? How peaceful is that? How does peace feel?
getting close now to the end of this meditation. How does it feel? How much peace and clarity and purity can you feel inside? What did you do which worked? And what did you do which failed? These few minutes at the end of a meditation are where we learn the most. in order to end the meditation. I will ring the gong three times. Please listen to every sound from the gong and let the last ringing of the gong draw you gently out from your meditation. Now we always have some questions at the end of the meditation. One of the reasons I take the questions from overseas first of all it gives you a chance to um, come out from the meditation. I find it sometimes quite hard. You get yourself very peaceful and now I have to think again. Here we go, thank you. It's also just it lets you know that these meditations are broadcast all over the world. Today, first question from Borneo. In what circumstances do we go for walking meditation rather than sitting down? If letting go is the point, what does watching the breath have to do with that? Watching the breath has the, the job of taking you to a deeper state of meditation. It's a, what I usually call a stepping stone when you're crossing a river and on this side of the river 
is you know, your five sense world and with all the busyness, all the beautiful relationships and the problems, the aches and the pains of the body, the working, the tiredness. And to use the breath as a stepping stone. Because when you first become aware of the breath, it's natural. But when you first become aware of the breath, you can feel the breath. It's a, a physical sensation you're watching. But as you stay with the breath, you, you can, if you're very aware, begin to notice that the awareness of the breath is being felt through one of the different senses. You're not feeling it through the sense of physical touch. You're knowing the breath rather than feeling it. In other words, now the breath starts to become really beautiful and joyful. You're turning more towards a mental object of the breathing, not the physical object. That's why the breath is extremely useful to take you from the world of the five senses of the body to the world of the mind. When I said at this stage, you often experience these beautiful lights in the mind. This is common, they call them nimittas. That's how we interpret this thing we call the mind, through the beautiful lights. And they can be so gorgeous and so joyful. You really get blissed out on them. And you also see a lot, a lot of great insights. However, when you are doing a lot of walk, uh, sitting meditation, you do find that as you're sitting more and more, your legs get a bit tired. You do need some sort of exercise. So doing walking meditation is a nice alternative to keep your body fit and healthy. And you can still get very deep in meditation doing walking meditation. I always give the simile that once when I was first year as a monk in Thailand, I was doing walking meditation in the main hall this monastery in the middle of Bangkok, Watsaket. And I would just walk half an hour from one end to the other, turn around half an hour back, roughly. And that's how slow I was going. The only reason I was going slow, because I became very, very aware of every movement in the feet. Just you know, lifting the foot up, just you know, using the muscles in the lower legs, to actually to pull the foot off the floor, move it forward. There's so much going on. It was fascinating. I was becoming aware, like a dancer has to become aware of their muscles when they're walking. And I would always recall this really weird experience towards the end of the meditation. I had my eyes on the ground, a body length in front of me. I wasn't thinking because I was feeling so much. And then I heard a sound of my monk's name. Brahma Wangso. Just like a long distance away from me. Brahma Wangso. It was weird. And then I paused, instead of watching the movement of my feet, I attended to the sound in my ear. And I soon realized it was not a long distance away. There was a monk standing next to me, shouting in my ear hole. <coughs> I'm not exaggerating, this is absolutely true. I had forgotten that I needed to finish early that day to go to an appointment. 
he'd been sent to collect me. At least he was wise enough to know in deep meditation, <coughs> in deep meditation, the way to get a person out is through sound, not through tapping you on the shoulder, but just speaking to your ear hole. And I realized he was trying his best to get my attention. I finally got my attention. I turned my head around really slowly, because if you ever turned your head around, so many muscles have to be moved to turn your head around. And it took me a long time. When it was turned around, and I said to him, what? I was so calm and peaceful, it took me a, it's like when you've been going in first gear, it takes a while to get up to the top gear again of your vehicle. And it showed me just how peaceful you can become in meditation, in walking meditation. So it's letting go is the point, but you have to know what letting go is. The result of letting go or letting things be is you become very, very peaceful. And you get drawn into this moment, drawn into the silence, drawn into beautiful states of peace. Anyway, the next question from Angie. I didn't say where they're from, but anyway. I'm meditating every morning. Often I get dull and don't know what I'm doing. Can excessive internet use interfere with getting a good med meditator? Yes. Thanks very much. Listen to your talks on the internet every day. <laughs> but please also remember, when you are processing information, like from the internet, or from a TV, or just by talking to people, or just by working, processing information does take a lot of energy out of your mind. And when it's still, you can imagine, instead of energy being drawn away from your mind by trying to interpret it, perceive it, work it all out, what it means. Instead of doing that, your mind is nice and peaceful and still. It actually creates energy in the mind. Your mind kind of wakes up and becomes bright. Again, one of the similes I said yesterday, because this reminded me of what I was talking about over in Penang, where I was last weekend, that I've used that when I was young doing exact, um, passing examinations at university. At the middle of the day, I a examination to be faced in the afternoon. I went to my room and meditated. My mind became so peaceful, so still, so energized, that afterwards it did well in the afternoon examinations, simply because it was energized. Stillness does energize you. And from Melbourne, during my breath meditation, I feel the breath is getting shorter and shallow. It is hard for me to know if I am doing that intentionally for the breath to disappear, or as it jumps back to taking longer breaths, almost as if it is afraid of suffocating. This seems to happen again and again. Could I be doing something wrong here? Kindly advise. This is actually quite common. The mind does not need so much breath. However, sometimes we do get scared that I'm hardly breathing. So you automatically <laughs> take a big breath, a deep breath, which is quite disturbing. 
I've been teaching this meditation for such a long time now. Even before I was a monk, I taught meditation even in the school where I was a, a maths school teacher. To 650 kids in a school in, uh, the, uh, in Devon in West of England. But in all those years I've been teaching meditation, no one has ever suffocated during a meditation class or meditation retreat. No one has ever stopped their breathing to the point they needed an ambulance. In other words, this is one of the safest things you can ever do. You may feel that this is weird, but nevertheless, you may feel it's weird, but it's perfectly okay. So when this happens, please make sure that you trust your body. You don't overreact. Let the sort of the breath disappear slowly. If the, if the body does need to breathe quickly, it will just do it by itself. But then you just calm down and go deeper into calmness. So I think what you're saying there is true. That you don't intention for the breath to disappear. This is just what happens. And if you take longer breaths, it just disturbs the process. It gets shorter and shallow just because the, breath, the breathing is not required to take deep breaths anymore. You're sitting perfectly still. You don't need the oxygen to energize anything. You're peaceful. Your car does not need so much petrol when it's just at the traffic lights, just purring away. So this is one of the reasons why Trust your body and you'll find it will become very, very peaceful and nice. Not doing anything wrong at all. Has anyone got any questions here about the meditation? Questions are free. Yes, come on, Eddie. Ajahn Brahm, this question is about meditation. It's also linked to your last night's talk, you know. But I didn't want to ask any question now on, on Friday nights, okay? Yeah. Okay. It's regarding the, you're saying the, the power of the mind, you know, okay? Oh, yes. Healing wounds and yes. tumors. Yeah. Yes. So can I ask you, as also my experience, you know, when, the, when, our, when we're experiencing um, stress, you know, and anxiety, and all these things, you know, okay? The immune system goes down, Correct. okay? Or, or the healing power goes down, and the healing you know, power, and the, the, the healing does not work, you know? Correct. It's only when you're peaceful through meditation, you lift yourself up, then you have the, the, the what I call the, the healing power, you know, and you know, immune system is high, then you can heal the, the, the wound and the... Um, the tumor. That's tumor correct. takes longer. Yeah. That's correct. It's really weird. But it's because I've been in this business for such a long time. Just one of the examples of that, because I don't want you to say yes it does, like in theory, just give some examples. There was this guy who was a, um, he was a cockney. George. And when he came to monastery, I was the only one who could understand what he said. 
<laughs> even the other monks, this was in the days of, I think, even Ajahn Yana Dhammo. And he said, what did he say, Ajahn Brahm? <laughs> he was a very nice guy, but the reason why he started attending our monastery regularly, in that age, many people would, um, they would uh, smoke cigarettes. It was just what you did. No one knew how it would affect your health. And so he did get lung cancer. And his story was that he was, um, uh, once he got lung cancer, he went to his doctor, which was in Armadale, and his doctor did an x-ray and told him, oh, this is your lungs, they're covered with tumors. There's not even one part of any part of your lungs which isn't affected. Usually we do surgery, but for you we can't do that, otherwise we take every part of your lung on both sides out. So he said, the only thing we can do is to give you chemotherapy, radiation therapy, but it will only increase your lifespan for maybe three or four months. Mm. But let us know what you want us to do. So he went back home, talked it over with his wife, came back in a few days later. Any one of you who goes to uh, surgeons, or not surgeons, what you call them, um, the experts, the specialists, they always insist on doing another, it was an x-ray in those days, an x-ray of you, to see how it's progressed. And that's when he told me that he went into the surgeon's room and he said to the surgeon, look, I've already decided, just let nature take its course. It's a waste of time having this treatment, radiation therapy, chemotherapy, when you know, you say, I can only live an extra few months. And the doctor was looking at the new x-ray. And I remember George saying, the doctor was just shaking his head. And George got scared. And he said, please doctor, tell me the truth. It's got worse, hasn't it? Mm. And that's when the doctor looked up and said, George, I'm shaking my head because I haven't seen anything like this before. It hasn't got worse. It's totally vanished. Mm. Yeah. What have you good. been doing, George? And George just replied, meditating. Carry on, said the doctor. <laughs> Even the doctor was dumbstruck, didn't know why this was happening. But nevertheless, there was the x-ray a week ago, there's the x-ray today, and one had totally uh, lots of, um, what's it called, uh, tumors there, and then a week later, totally vanished. That's one of the first times I saw that. And that's kind of like, it's amazing. So, yes, it does work. Thank you. I'm speaking through experience from, I had a little wound before, you know, yeah. and then it, it did, most of the time it heals, you know. So I decided, because I knew there was some little, I had a little, like a problem, you know, like worry yeah. and everything. So once the thing goes off, you know, the, the, and the, the stress goes off, the healing power, it just healed itself. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lot of times the body heals itself. We have to let it heal itself. Anyway, any more questions or comments? Okay, so let's call it today.
Let's call it a year. <laughs> because the next meditation class will be in 2024. There's no meditation class tomorrow. The next class is next year. <laughs> Excellent. So now I'm going to just bow a few times to the Buddha and then we'll see what we can do next. <laughs>